Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. So this week we continue our Advent series and the theme this week is peace. Hi everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. I'm Richard, regular, and I've got Shelby with me again because she is, I don't know, Grand Vizier of <laughs> Advent or something Hi like that. And uh, he's been around for a long time, but hasn't been on the podcast before. So we were just kind of first mo- time guest him for that. Yeah. yeah. So Brian's here as well. I might really be cool. the last staff member to be invited into this sacred space so let us know how it goes because if you don't like brian then we don't need to invite him back (laughs) you know just like any heresy you start what an introduction we've kept him off the program for long enough do you feel welcome yeah i feel very welcome yeah we're so glad this doesn't feel like southern hospitality but (laughs) i guess i'm not in the south anymore Hmm. so it is the second week of our advent celebrations Mm -hmm. i always keep getting myself mixed up i it's know like right different churches different <laughs> amounts of weeks for advent but at least as as we're doing it trying to follow along with advent it's second week so last week our theme was hope and we talked a bit about advent more generally mm-hmm. and then the second theme which is traditional for lots of the christian tradition is peace so shelby maybe i can throw this one your way mm-hmm. first why is peace the next one do you think like why is this the kind of storyline of us Mm. journeying through advent Mm. gosh i wish i knew the exact right answer i have lots of thoughts it's probably rooted in something 800 Uh, years old or something whoever came uh, yeah but i don't know exactly yeah as far Um, as you're concerned yeah gosh i feel like it makes a lot of sense when you think about moving from hope into peace because I feel like especially right now, it feels pretty poignant and that so many of us are experiencing life circumstances that feel anything but peaceful. And so as we're seeking to maintain hope in this season, you can't do that without acknowledging what's happening in you and around you. And so we kind of come to this moment where we've got to create space to notice, okay, like what are the maybe the parts of my life that... um, there's some cracks. Maybe maybe I'm not at peace. I think that the invitation of Advent is to move toward the one who is peace. Yeah. And there's so many beautiful things that we can unpack here. Yeah. But I think for me, that logical next step, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And there is like um, a historic association with Christmas time and peace. Hmm. Like poignant things like you know, on the Western Front during the Second World War, like Allied and German soldiers put their guns down on Christmas Day, mm. climbed out the trenches, crossed minefields, played soccer and shared cigarettes with each other. Mm. Like there's some some sort of shocking things that happen where like for some reason, um, like us latching onto the idea that Christmas should be a time when we really seek or embrace peace or make room for peace. And that example is like, even in a, what seems a bizarre, like it's not really embracing peace to be mm. like embrace it and then shoot them the next day. That's mm. like, mm. right. it's not really what peace means. Yeah. But at least 
culturally there's something yeah. where there's just this strong connection mm-hmm. and i think culturally like the celebration of peace right right it's a weird thing right because there's all the jokes like the sitcom jokes like oh yeah christmas that time when families get together play monopoly and murder each other you know like it's there's lots of friction there's lots of right. hard stuff at christmas time and yet it's supposed to be even if we don't quite experience it because we've got dysfunctional families (laughs) and all the rest of the weirdness we've got it's supposed to be a time of just like being chilled being relaxed being at one with the world at one with your your friends and family so there's a definite strong peace vibe in our culture Mm. of christmas time which is is interesting to me and i think what's yeah really interesting about that is And it points me to like the unique peace of Christ, right? I think sometimes if we only ever think about peace as the absence of conflict, we only get one side of the story. But the peace of Christ actually has capacity to acknowledge the friction, to acknowledge the dysfunction. And in the midst of that, right in the middle of it, we can have peace. Yeah. 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 Because the peace of Christ is a process, not Mm -hmm. a bubble to escape to. Right. Exactly. There's about, also you, well, I was going to interrupt, but here we go. Um, <laughs> I, w- I wanted to hear from you next. So that's perfect. I don't even I, need to uh, ask you a leading well, question. Well, I didn't know what kind of manners we had at this table. No manners, um, throw them out. So, <laughs> yeah. but I, I was thinking when Richard, when you brought up the historical thing, um, I was thinking about the historical moment that Jesus arrived hmm. and how little peace there was governmentally yeah. with the Roman occupation of Israel. And even at the arrival of Jesus, the deaths of the babies and all of these like tumultuous things. And yet I think the Advent narrative, the four weeks of Advent point to when Jesus arrived, what he brought with him. Mm. And there's this declaration in the gospel narrative in Luke chapter two of, it's almost like you imagine the curtain of heaven opening Mm -hmm. while the shepherds are out in their fields and this song of peace comes out from the heavenly choir peace on earth, this declaration of glory to God up high and on earth down low, may there be peace. Mm. And it was at the arrival of the Christ that this declaration that with him, Isaiah 9, 6 comes peace. And it's interesting because that Isaiah 9 passage that we all know at Christmas time, especially has this Prince of Peace title given to Jesus. And then, so with that is like this, I mean, peace each one of these like themes of mm-hmm. Advent are so big, like they're huge words like hope, love, joy, peace. It's packed and mm-hmm. there's so much nuance, especially a Hebrew understanding of peace. Yeah. Because, you know, when I think of peace, I think the absence of war. Right. But the shalom of God, which is the Hebrew peace, is more like full flourishing. Yeah. And it's it's not just no more war or conflict. It's may you be well in your body. May you be mm. well in your relationships. May you be well in your occupation. It's, it's, I tell people when you pronounce the peace of God or shalom over somebody, you're basically saying, may you flourish in every way it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like the nicest thing you could say yeah, to somebody um, when you pronounce God's peace on them. Cause it's, it's saying, Every area of your life matters mm-hmm. and holistically want to see you thrive and flourish. Yes, wholeness, completeness. I love that. And that moment that you're talking about when the angels proclaim that moment, it's like so many of us, we 
we jump right into that part of the story. And it's good and it's beautiful just as a standalone moment, but it takes on a whole different form when you look at all of the things that were leading up to this moment, right? All throughout the Old Testament, there's anticipation, there's longing, there's prophecy about the one who will come and usher in a new era of peace, the one who will be called the Prince of Peace. And, you know, the kings of that day were supposed to represent that. And obviously we know how the story goes. They fall so completely short. And so you, you, you come to this moment when Jesus arrives on the scene or he's about to arrive on the scene. And so, of course, it comes with the proclamation that 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 kind of peace, that kind of peace that's never going to run out, that it's going to be eternal. It's finally here. It's so good. Yeah, it's. It's an interesting one to think how we interact with that. Um, you know, for, I mean, even just within the story, you've got like shepherds and Mary and Joseph and, you know, some people in the community that peace has been declared, but it's very quickly apparent that peace has not arrived. Mm. But in a sense, peace is lying in a manger there. Mm-hmm. So it has been manifested. It just, it's a seed, mm. you know? And so yeah. it, and then, you know, we're in this time of contemplating Advent, thinking about it, allowing it to try to, to like breathe God's perspective into our lives. So then it's like, okay, so am I supposed to, like, if I don't feel peaceful, am I just wrong? Right. Right. Or, Am I just like, yeah, just to remind you, like, keep holding out, like, peace eventually, like, one day we'll escape planet Earth and all that this life is, and then we'll have peace. Mm. So I, I'm those are, I guess, the two extreme ends right. of the spectrum, right? Um, because the offer of peace, like, it, I can imagine, and especially, like you said, this year has not been a peaceful year Mm-mm. for so many people. I right. mean, I it's been discombobulating Mm. for me but we have not lost a family member or you know lost a job or there's so much stuff we haven't you know yeah so just acknowledging all that pain and then thinking so you know what kind of peace is supposed to be breathed into my life Mm. this advent right Right. because that that can seem a million miles away or can seem totally unrealistic Mm -hmm. and so that's why I, f- I feel like we should do a bit of work on like, yeah. okay, what's what's this peace that God's bringing? Mm-hmm. Like, what's it really look like? Because we've got funky ideas. Right, we have peace. so many ideas. And how do we go like push into that? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, Jesus talked about the fact that you can't really expect earthly peace. Um, I mean, I know 2020 probably in my lifetime has been the most disruptive year I've ever lived through. Mm. But the world story is a story of constant disruption of peace. And so, I mean, and Jesus said it before he left, John 16, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Right. That's just, that's just a guarantee, but it doesn't mean the prince hasn't arrived. Before the prince of peace left, he said, I'm leaving. Yeah, I brought peace. peace. I, yeah. I bring peace. I am peace. But I'm departing, and there's still going to be trouble until second advent. I return. Mm-hmm. But then he adds this caveat, but be of good cheer. Because I've overcome. And I think that probably plays into first advent. That's hope, mm-hmm. the idea of hope. But I think that the the idea that 
we already knew from Jesus that although he arrived, peace wasn't going to be fully inaugurated, but we, it's almost like we can live in the tension of heaven and earth Yes, because the one who is coming has already arrived and is arriving. And therefore there, we're in the time of peace, although we're not really like we're in this, this tension between the two. Um, so I, I think it's in my mindset is saying Jesus has arrived. He brings peace. He's left us with the Holy spirit mm-hmm. for the, the very agency of peace in the person of the Holy spirit to, yeah. to, to dwell with us while we're here. Yeah. But I think it's, it's every, every exiled person has to learn how to be not home and yet home right. at the same time. Like, to live in the tension of not there, but arriving and already arrived, you know, that weird, you know, that weird place we find ourselves in a place between places. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think what you're touching on is this tendency that we all have to connect our peace to our circumstances. And again, it's just one part of the story. I think that word peace means so many different things for us in different moments. For some people listening, it's peace is financial freedom. Peace is the conflict in a relationship to be resolved. And again, it's not that those things aren't true or they're not real and the peace of Christ doesn't invite us to turn a blind eye toward that. But it it does say there is something on offer um, that is untouched by um, the circumstances that you might currently face and that you can actually tap into that will help you persevere through all of those things. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I know I feel it in, in myself to, to fight that temptation to always and ever connect my peace to what's happening in my life. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's interesting because in our culture, we've got this tendency to want to control everything. Oh yeah. To mitigate all the risk, to protect ourselves mm-hmm. and actually, seeking to protect ourselves from pain is like a good god-given part Mm -hmm. of like how we're constructed Mm -hmm. how we're designed um and so we can think that like really peace is the result of god protecting us from all pain like it'd be the way we engage with peace culturally we would that would totally make sense Mm -hmm. like yeah peace is something that is a state of being that's a state right. of relating to the world that's achieved yeah but then you have this kind of like um like philippians 4 7 the peace of god which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds mm. oh why do i need guarding okay so there's pain tension trouble like in the midst of a fight peace is something that's given to me like in order to protect me mm. in those moments. So it's clearly, it's not something we arrive at by mm-hmm. dealing with a bunch of stuff we don't like. Right. And then I think it's so interesting. I was just looking up. I couldn't remember where Jesus said it. It's John 14, 27. And, you know, he's like with his disciples, this is like final parting word, praying with them. And he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then he prays a bit more. And the next thing that happens is some Roman soldiers turn up and arrest Jesus. Hmm. So there's got to be like a part of the disciples that's going, uh, did you lie? <laughs> like that, this is not peace right here. Like you just said peace and the Romans arrived. Hmm. So if, if we're thinking it's like a result, something we yeah. get to, like then we can't understand all these passages. It can't be what Jesus is saying. But then it's really interesting to think, okay, so even in 2020, you can have peace. Mm, yeah. But 
it's actually something God could give to you, he could impart to you that would actually protect you in 2020. Because then 2021 is still going to be hard. <laughs> As we reflect right. back on 2020, I'm like, oh, yeah, like something to protect me? Yes, please. Yeah. I will have a double dose of that. Like, how can I get mm. that? And so that's an interesting one. Um, I, I wonder, this is like, a risky question because I didn't ask you guys to think of it. <laughs> so now we may just have the awkward silence while one of us thinks of mm. this. Where have there been like stories in your life, times when God gave you peace mm. that enabled you to navigate something? Um, I feel like I've had times like that, but I just talked for a bit, so I can't want to throw <laughs> it open to you guys. I, I immediately jumped to a moment, um, so I can hop in first, but. I'm thinking about the specific, we, so, okay, backstory. Uh, Jordan and I were working at the church that we grew up in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And that season we knew God was bringing to a close, but we didn't know what was next. And he had like a very short window where we had to make the hard choice of either he was going to take a promotion and we were going to stay or he was not going to take that promotion and he was going to quit. So two very different decisions. And um, we had come out to West Side and we had met a lot of great people and had some really fun conversations, but there was no job offer on the table at that moment. And there wasn't going to be, at least from our understanding for a while. And so we knew that the choice to say no, it's not like we had something that was going to be right there to take its place. And yeah, we were just kind of left like, what do we do? We don't have something concrete to say yes to once we say no to something. And so there's going to be this in between and we have nothing to bank on and it was really there's nothing else I know how to describe it other than just the peace of Christ that goes beyond that understanding that we both had of like no we know that that we need to say no to this because we just had this sense that God is going to bring something um, next and that we could trust him with that we both had total and complete peace we asked for confirmation and it came from lots of different directions Um, but yeah there was a solid two months where we weren't working, we didn't know what was next, and it was tough. Um, And it doesn't mean that there weren't moments of frustration and sadness all along the way, but that peace never wavered. Such a gift. And it's interesting, because in the midst of that, the peace didn't look like a kind of blasé attitude to life. Like, oh, well, we haven't got an income, we'll just laugh it off and be naive. And like the world would look at you and being, you're being idiots. Like you've just got your head in a bucket of sand kind of thing. There can still be questions. There can still be things that agitate and things like that. But there's a different perspective right. and a maybe like a different force to those questions. I feel like sometimes we feel like the questions that agitate us, the unknowns, they we can feel like they're pushing our life along mm. and we're like a passenger and we're like, can you stop the ride, please? I'd like to get off. This <laughs> is traumatizing. <laughs> But peace is like we walk with the same questions and tensions, but all of a sudden they're not bullying us right. anymore. Yeah. Mm. I, You know, it's funny. I mean, I'm probably going to talk a little bit more categorically than specifically because 
I've had some traumatic experiences that would be too vulnerable <laughs> for the podcast. First time. Uh, yeah, he just totally went all out, <laughs> laid it all out on the line. But I was thinking about like, so Corey Timboon, like hero, um, yeah. she talks about, she uses this phrase and she uses the word grace, but she says, God doesn't give us dying grace until we're dying. Yeah. And I was just having gone through some trauma myself and also being with people in trauma, um, you see different levels of peace, almost like peace levels up to the to the level of the trauma. So dying peace or dying grace, it levels up to the dying. So, you know, when you think about people who go through like what Corey Ten Boom went through, like the Holocaust, like one of the most horrific historic events ever, the genocide of an entire people group. And um, to, to listen to someone who lived through that and would describe a sort of peace that arrived at the moment of the trauma and everyone I've ever talked to observing someone else go through trauma said, I don't think I could personally handle that. And the reality is, is that right now you couldn't mm -hmm. because you're not in the moment where that light, that level up of peace. I, and I think what I was thinking of when, when Shelby was talking about the peace that arrived during the moment where she didn't know employment wise and future wise, that's that's a certain level of peace that arrived. Yeah. They didn't do anything for it. It came when they needed it. Mm. And I think there's a little bit in me, maybe it's a naive expectation that God will show up with the level of peace necessary for the moment. And so I think like using a parenting analogy with my kids, like I showed up to them when they were injured, depending on, because my wife and I became very keyed into the cry. Mm, like what yeah. kind of cry is that? I think Weston and Jenny were talking about that in their, in their sermon. Like, like I think parentally your ears are tuned to, no, that's trauma. And you show up differently to the traumatic cry of your kid differently than you show up to another type of cry. Mm. And, and I think like just trusting that whatever level we arrive at in trauma, God will arrive at his level. That level of peace will be there. It's almost like an appropriate type mm -hmm. of peace. So it's not like in a generic bucket. It's almost in like a, he's the prince of peace and he shows up with peace no matter your situation. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's like something as traumatic as like the death of a child, like no having walked with people after a child dies, you think, I, being a dad myself, I don't even imagine how in the world you live through that. And the people that go through it don't know how they live through it either. It's that they would only tell you that God was present in that moment. Mm -hmm. And the, I think that to me is the best understanding I have of, and I, I think there's also peace for moments where you're just like 2020. Was 2020 really traumatic or was it just constantly aggravating? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like we went through a world war. I mean, it was a global pandemic and there was some some fear, but my family, we didn't suffer. It was just more like, but we needed some peace. Like there was a level of peace that God showed up with to sustain us through this. Not that we're on the other side of it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. here we are, we're still here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have the level of peace that was appropriate for the year. And that word sustain, I think so important because there's this deep connection between peace and faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, like this is something Anna and I have had this conversation so many times with like, yeah, I don't I don't think like one of us or both of us don't think we have faith for that. You know, and so we're we're looking down the road because we're both kind of, you know, 
in our own ways this is funny because i think we're both wired this ways but in such different ways and would be like you don't plan and look ahead and i'd be the same to her <laughs> but actually you know we just do it really differently um but we would project like i don't think we can say yes for that and then theologically having to remind ourselves like we don't need to say yes to that yet mm. you know and i've been thinking about this recently just you know especially after you read the book of acts you're just left with this tone of people living a life where expecting god to actually speak into how life should be lived and what you should be doing and where you should be and all the big life questions enabled them to be kind of entrepreneurial hmm. to like move into spaces that were uncomfortable to take on risks yes. you know things like that um and there's a sense in which, I mean, f like fear is another part of this equation. And there's like perfect love casts out fear. Mm -hmm. But I think hope destroys fear, peace. Yeah, all of these things. Yeah. But fear is so often immobilizes us. And peace, it sort of empowers us. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting yeah. thing. Like if we, I don't know, think, oh, I I can't say yes to that. I can't deal with that. I can't countenance thinking about that or engaging with that because I don't have peace for it yet. It's like, well, what you're saying is I can't tackle that problem because it's not already solved mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Right? And fear does that to us. Like anxiety does that to us. But peace, it kind of enables us to, to push back the fear and that's the piece that passes understanding. Yeah. In faith, even though we might not know the solution to the problem, we have confidence in a God who solves problems. Yeah. And and that enables us to move forward. Mm. And still not into a perfect like, oh, on the moment I stepped out in faith, all my problems melted away. You know, like you guys, two months. Right. I'm sure it wasn't two months of just like, yeah, we kicked back, you know, drank <laughs> cocktails. Yeah, you know. no, there were a lot like, of there's tears. There's still loads of hardship yeah. to go through. But totally. you went on a journey that without peace, you never would have left the door right. to go on. Oh, right? yeah. Totally. I love the connection that you're making between peace and faith as I'm like going through the file of memories that I have where I didn't know the next step. Um, there was that commingling of peace and faith. Like um, I loved school. Like I loved going to class and getting the grades, all of that. I just loved. And I found myself as a freshman in college loving school. And then I have this really um, kind of crazy moment where I feel like the Lord's clearly calling me to drop out. And, and this doesn't happen a lot in my life. I can really only think of two times, but he like confirmed that in a pretty radical way through a dream of another person that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And so I'm like at the point where if I don't drop out, I'm like feeling like it's disobedient, but I didn't have all the pieces figured out. Everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. And so to hear you mention like, the people of acts, it does, it allows you to enter into the risk and, and it forces you to take your hands off the reins of like, you can't control all the pieces. It anchors you in the present mm -hmm. of like, you just got to take the next step. And I look back on that season of my life and dropping out of school for like eight months as one of the most like 
sweet times and important times where the Lord grew me in some really important ways that I needed to grow. But I didn't know that I wasn't preparing to leave school or drop out. And it was so against like, yeah, just my wiring and my personality. But yeah. And, And how many times, right, in hindsight, can we look back and be like, that was totally a good thing. Yeah. That was a good move. Like that was a good strategy mm-hmm. Jesus had. <laughs> but in the moment, you're just like, what on earth yeah. is this about? Like totally. why is this happening? Yeah. So that's this other aspect of the the faith and the right. peace that passes understanding. It can't be a sort of, well, if I, because this is the other game we play, not, oh, I don't have any fears, I don't have any risks, mm. but also like, oh, I understand everything that's going on. So then I have peace. Right. And just feeling like you understand everything is just another shorthand way of saying, I feel like I can control everything. Absolutely. The illusion of control. Yes. But that's another thing. And and it's, it's this balancing act of like we're called, like Proverbs so strongly calls us to seek to understand, you mm. know, to wrestle, but not be immobilized by the unanswered questions we've still got. Right. And it's like peace breathes a freedom over us, like and this is the interesting thing. We could like connect it back to to Advent, like in what way Christmas is supposed to make this poignant for us. But yeah, it actually releases us to feel the freedom and exercise a freedom that our culture, our flesh, like so much of us is saying you're bound. Right. And so, yeah, it, it's an interesting... I think there's an attitude change there that we can encounter even before a will you drop out of college? Will you do this? Like an action is on the table. There's still like a relational dynamic where we can feel safe. Absolutely. Like where we're at and like what a word for 2020. Like if Christmas could help us understand we're safe. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. I think the, the phrase that kept coming to my mind while we were talking about this is peace is Jesus in your boat in a storm and that Mark four narrative where the disciples are freaking out because Jesus is sleeping and they interpret the sleeping Jesus during the storm in their life as he doesn't care about us. Master, don't you know we're drowning? Wake up and bail water. But if you really thought about it, the fact that Jesus isn't worried should bring peace. In other words, I don't think God's going to drown. So therefore... (laughs) God in your boat says that no matter how crazy this wind and waves get, I mean, Jesus is in the boat and and he's not going to drown. He's asleep. They interpret the sleeping Jesus as not caring, but reflect it easy for me to do. Reflecting back, I'm like, actually, the sleeping Jesus is a sign that it's going to be all right. And when they finally wake him up, the word he uses is an interesting word because I think it's translated in a couple translations like peace, be still to the mm-hmm. storm. But the the NIV translates it like shut up or be quiet. <laughs> like he was just commanding quietness. And I was thinking of like Jesus in the boat commanding quietness over internal storms. Mm. But then he turns to the disciples and he's like, it's the Mark tells us they were terrified, but the storm's over, but they're terrified. And he's like, why are you so afraid? Have you and essentially he goes to then that to topic of you don't have faith mm-hmm. and I and I, the thought in my mind was I wonder what it was they were afraid of I mean we know they're afraid of the storm but there's almost this image of like they were afraid of Jesus in his full personhood showing up 
And he says, it's a lack of faith. You didn't believe that me being in your boat was enough. Mm. And then, so you were probably waking me up to help bail water. When I woke up, I stopped the storm. And it's almost at that moment, you imagine there was a little bit of like, we're now afraid of you. Like, yeah. you are someone to be reckoned with mm. that we did it, we didn't fully recognize. And so I guess my kind of meandering thought on this Mark 4 passage and Advent was like, when the Prince of Peace is in your boat and he's resting, just the thought that Jesus never worries, he's never worried, right. um, and he's asleep in the worst moments of your life, is is an indication that it's going to be all right. right. It's not an indication that he doesn't care. Yeah. His silence doesn't mean he doesn't care. It means that he's at rest and he knows that we're going to make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's so poignant to read through the Gospels sometimes and notice how unstressed Jesus is and how people are surprised at that. Like I always think of when the woman reaches out with the, you know, she's bleeding mm-hmm. and touches him and he stops. And like Lazarus is dying over here, you know, like this is emergency. Like if there was ever a time to knock someone down, get out of my way, I got to get over there. This would be it. But Jesus is, he's never harried by mm-hmm. circumstances and like, and and then, you know, there's moments where Jesus is troubled, you know, ex- exactly what emotion to put, the, put it into, but like in Gethsemane, mm. like he does have a moment where his flesh wants to say this is too hard, but his faith says, yeah. I can trust my father. Mm-hmm. So even when like that, that time that you see Jesus... And I don't think it's a wavering. I just think it's him allowing the battle that's being fought on the yeah. inside to get expressed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's again, it's it's faith that's the telling factor in reconciling things. Yeah. So let me ask you like a practical question. If someone was listening and they were like, I don't have a lot of peace right now. I feel really troubled or anxious or fearful, things like that. They might listen and be like, well, that's nice, Shelby, like your story about college. <laughs> right. It's really nice that you had peace. I just don't understand. Like, I know I can listen to your story, like abstractly, theoretically, right. that God can, but that's not real to me. Right. Or that just feels a million miles away or whatever. Because we've all, three of us, I think, nodding our heads. Like we've found ourselves in those places, Absolutely. those seasons as well. What helps us, I don't know, track down this piece mm. do you think? i think the first thing that comes to my mind for trying to get really practical is that encouragement from scripture to take every thought captive because yeah you better believe that when i was going through those massive seasons where like i didn't know how to explain to people what i was doing i didn't have the answers like i was so insecure about how people were going to perceive me i was so like yeah, afraid of like, what are people going to think about this? And I don't even know what to say. And so I think the practice of sitting down and being like, what is it that I'm believing to be true about myself, about this situation? Okay, like, let me take a moment to not judge that, but to notice that. And then maybe write that down in a journal. I'm a visual person. So sometimes I'll just literally sit with my journal in front of me. I'll write down the truth of like what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, no matter how ugly, um, 
or crazy it might seem, Brene Brown calls this your stormy first draft, your SFD. Like this is what I'm feeling in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. And I'm just going to lay it out. And then it's helpful for me to take what I know to be true about the character and the nature of God and put it right beside it. And some days it's the hard work of choosing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to choose in whatever way that I can today to believe this over and against this. It doesn't make this not real. I'm noticing it. I'm acknowledging it, but I'm choosing to connect myself to something greater. something that's, um, truer than that truth. I know that's not a right way to say that, but, um, it's very poetical. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, (laughs) but I think that would be a practical step for that. Cause again, everything that we are saying in this space is that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's so much more than that when you connect it to the person of Christ and that grates against our culture's narrative where peace is financial security and stability, the American dream and on and on and on. It's good vibes only. Um, again, I just think that's only part part of the story yeah Yeah. and i love like emphasizing taking the word of god Mm -hmm. which is there's a fickleness to how we might feel about things or what other people say about things and you know Mm -hmm. but there are some anchor points that Mm -hmm. that help us navigate what to expect Mm -hmm. and then i think not only because sometimes i don't know like if a horrible thing happens to you you know and someone just says oh all things work together for the good it's almost a glib way of saying, just deny your feelings. Oh, yeah. It's right? horrible. I've literally experienced yeah. that. <laughs> but actually, you could write that truth down. Yeah. And, and it's an anchor point for a conversation you're going to have with Jesus where you're like, yeah. this doesn't feel like it could ever work for good. Right. Could you please talk to me about that? Yeah. yeah. And, and he's so gracious with us in that process. Because I'm so glad you mentioned it. Because I've had that moment where in the middle of my pain, someone was like, do you not believe in Jesus? And I'm like... Uh, well no of course I do does that mean I need to not cry these tears or walk through this season and so again it's not to ignore or deny or downplay or explain away all of those things but it's just to continue to fight to hold out what is also true yeah yeah yeah. what about for you Brian what do you find helpful I think um to acknowledge like what Shelby's saying is there's an aspect of confession that happens for me um when there's fear, because for me, um, I live in my head. And so my fear usually resides inside of my body in some way, shape or form. And so for me, confession is such an important thing to God, but also to people. Yes, I like to pull people in um, and not everybody. I've learned over the long haul that there's there's the people that God has given you to confess to. And then there's other people, you know, mm-hmm. and then not everybody's the right person to counsel you in your in your moment of crazy. But it is funny because that the Greek word for confession is homo logeo. It means to say the same as. And so it's it's interesting when you agree with God that something that you're feeling or thinking isn't an alignment. And you just it's almost like getting poison out of your body. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for me, like um an invisible God can be difficult. So sometimes a visible person can help be a conduit or, you know, like someone to stand with me as a fellow priest Mm. um, and to be a physical representation. And for me, just talking it out, like confessing, I always say, like, I have a few friends that I can just tell my crazy thoughts to, and they know me, they know me well enough to sit with me and listen to the crazy thoughts and to receive a confession of, 
And usually by the time I'm done saying whatever it is, rant I need to go on, I feel better. Mm. And they don't even have to say anything. They're just like, so you feel better now? (laughs) Well, yeah, because as I was saying this thing that was inside of me, as it came out, it seemed even more crazy and ridiculous or inappropriate for, uh, you know, someone who believes in Jesus to, to be feeling or thinking. And I just like to pull the stuff that's going on within outside of me because mm-hmm. it's not always good to keep it in. Yeah. And, and I think in like, I think when we think of confession, it's usually like tell people the awful things you've done, but sometimes it's just, sometimes there are things rumbling around in your soul that just need to get out. Yeah. And whatever way, like I'm an external processor. So a conversation with a trusted mentor or friend really brings a lot of peace into my heart because it's then that we now are able to talk about the thing that was inside of me. We brought it out and we're able to look at it more objectively. And I usually find a lot of resolve in just that simple act of confession. Yeah. And there's a, I was going to say something really similar to you. The only little twist uh, that to add to it is I think when we kind of lay it out, like one of my favorite scriptures is when uh, the Israelites are under threat and um, I think it's Hezekiah gets a letter that's like all these accusations and he goes in the temple and it says he kind of rolled it out in front of the Lord and mm. prayed. But just to like that visual for me of like God being on, the other side of the table and just putting it on the table in front of him Mm. which is kind of what you're describing with confession but there's something about doing that as well where so often the things that uh have become like anchor points are fears where it's like i need to tell a narrative over what's going on i need some way to frame what's going on and sometimes I hold on to something that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Like it's not true about me or the future or what other people think or you know, things like that. And just even if I'm like, this is totally the way I see things, but I'm going to put it on the table and talk to you about it and externalize it a bit. It does something where it just loosens my grip on it a little bit that if it's wrong, I can actually pick up something different again yeah it it's it's a transformative part of prayer mm-hmm. so like to actually invite that shared ownership yeah. where you can be like jesus this is still part of me like mm-hmm. this is in me right now but it belongs to you as well right yeah you know? and there's so much power in trying to find that space mm-hmm. and i think the other thing is sometimes when we get most fearful it's about like a projected long-term outcome like you know i've got fears about the vaccines and the virus and like what if i die mm-hmm. and it's like well there's probably nothing about this friday where you think i'm gonna die right but you know how we can tend to spin off into the future oh, yeah. and like it gets bleaker and bleaker so sometimes i think it's really useful to bring that thing to jesus oh ding dong. <laughs> there we go new sound i'll fit this will be my minute i'll finish up perfect is we take that, um, you know, big fear and and you can journal it or just like prayer exercise it out, mm-hmm. walk through it. It's just to break it down into like, but where's, how does that overlap with my here and now? And I can talk to God about these projected things, mm-hmm. these big like, you know, vocational things, calling things, loads of stuff like that. But sometimes you can get lost there. Yeah. So just being like, what's in front of me 
today like and and talking to god about that because that's where i think god can really transform and make a difference in the moment where you're like man god changed me or god showed up god spoke to me about that or answered that prayer because it's so close at hand right Mm. You might pray about the long-term thing. It might be two years before something changes right. and then you've forgotten you prayed it. So mm. it's not encouraging at all or, you know. Yeah. So just trying to pull some of it into the here and now as well. Yeah. Like when you feel immobilized looking down the road. Be it's present. like, that's okay. You can, mm. you know, look closer to home. Yeah. All right. Who's got another minute's worth of Adventy wrap-up peaceful yeah. stuff? Uh, so I'm thinking about... You know, I'm someone who like grew up in the church from the time I was young. And so if you're, if your story is similar, maybe you can connect. Um, but I can sometimes be a, like a constant shudder of like, I just should, should, should like a thought comes into my mind. I shouldn't think that this feeling comes up in me. I shouldn't be feeling that. And I, I think I just, I'm thinking about that because I think that stands in the way of us being able to enter into peace and that if we constantly respond to all of the things that like are coming up in us or that we're feeling about our circumstances, it's just a way for us to try and cover them up and bury them and it they don't go anywhere. They, they stay there and they grow and eventually you're going to have to deal. And so I just want to, I think we want to reiterate what Brian is saying in that knowing who your people are, that you can let into like, I'm not going to should whatever this is. I'm just going to, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to notice it. I'm not going to judge it because I really do believe that that helps us take a next step into receiving and walking in the power of that peace. So that's yeah, my one that. minute encouragement. All right, Brian, take us home. <laughs> I think the one, the big takeaway for me from the conversation and just kind of the Advent themes is that none of these themes exist apart from the person that brings these truths, these virtues of peace mm. and love and joy and hope. And so to try to talk about peace apart from the one who is peace yeah. or brings peace. So the embrace of the Christ child, the embrace of the person of Christ, em- embracing the indwelling Holy Spirit is to say that I'm embracing God, therefore he comes with peace, therefore he comes with love, therefore he comes with joy. And so to me, it's I have to remind myself that from what I know of Scripture, that I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, therefore in the spirit of Jesus, I have the peace that I need and can access that because I'm indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. Mm. So I think detaching peace, I feel this anxiety (laughs) talking about peace to try to be more peaceful, but to rather embrace the person of Christ and the indwelling spirit is to say, it's almost effortless. Not that it doesn't require something of me, but it's not conjuring up something that yeah. I don't possess. It's receiving something yeah. from the Lord yeah. that he has already given me. And to just believe, I already have it. I just need to access yeah. what I already have It's a have fruit of Christ. the Spirit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if it belongs to the Spirit and I have access to the Spirit, that's so important. Yeah, we don't have to conjure it up or hype it up into existence. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. So I hope you've enjoyed a week on peace and keep thinking about it. Keep praying. Enjoying Advent, and next week uh, will be love, which will be awesome. So we look forward to that. Keep following along, and we'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside at Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.